repeatedly in the book of 2 Timothy, Timothy is warned about not being taken in, duped, or following false teachers and or false teaching. Uh, that false teaching was very prevalent. Those false teachers were manifesting themselves in rather powerful ways, and Paul was encouraging Timothy to stay the course. And stay the course is a good way of putting what Paul wants Timothy to do. If you look at verse 10 of chapter 3, we find out that Timothy's been a loyal follower of Paul's teaching. You have ever followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life. Timothy's been a disciple of Paul and has ministered with Paul in many different places and for Paul in a variety of locations as well. Timothy has been a valuable uh, disciple, servant, and is actually going to be taking over for Paul after Paul's demise. Paul's writing Timothy to take over after he dies. So it's not a matter of trying to convince Timothy to become something that he's not. But rather, the encouragement is don't wander from what you already are. You are a follower of me. And so, the exhortation is found in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. So Timothy, you are a follower of me. Now continue in what you have learned. So the exhortation is to stay the course. Be faithful to what you know and what you've been experiencing and what you have been doing. Don't be dissuaded from that. Timothy is not to be discouraged in his own ministry as a result of all that is taking place in Paul's life. Going all the way back to chapter 1, Paul said, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in the power of the suffering of the gospel of Christ. The persecutions that Paul was facing would or could be a reason for Timothy to second-guess his commitment to Paul and or the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For many have abandoned Paul. Paul said, there is no one left with me. They all have forsaken me. Demas has left me. And so with everyone departing, everyone leaving Paul, Paul is very concerned that Timothy doesn't depart, that Timothy remains faithful and strong. One of the main Reasons that Timothy may depart from Paul is because of the persecution that Paul is experiencing. And uh, Paul uses the persecution that he is experiencing to bear witness to the truth of his, his teaching. That the persecution is actually a reason to stand firm as opposed to a reason to abandon the gospel and the ministry of the Apostle Paul. So our theme is that the persecution that Paul was experiencing 
was the ultimate proof of the truthfulness of what Paul was teaching. The persecution that Paul was experiencing was the ultimate proof of the truthfulness of what Paul was teaching. So what do we learn from Paul's persecution that bears witness to the truth of his teaching? I have six points this morning. And so those of you who take notes or whatever, you can click them off. Uh, six reasons that we have for the fact that the persecution that Paul is bearing bears witness to the truth of Paul's teaching. Number one, the persecution that Paul was facing was not due to wrongdoing. In verse 10 it says, however, you have followed my teaching, conduct, aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. So Paul says, you are well aware. Uh, the uh, King James says, you have fully known. Here the ESV says, you have followed. The idea is that, that Timothy knows both by formal instruction and by experience these things to be true. Uh, Paul has not only <clears throat> told these things to Timothy, but Timothy's been able to witness them. T Timothy's been able to <clears throat> see the veracity of what Paul has been saying. He knows the teaching. Verse 10. You have followed my teaching. You know my conduct, uh, the manner in which he lived his life. Unlike the false teachers that are described in chapter 3, starting with verse 1, when Paul says that uh, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of their own selves, and then he describes the life of these false teachers, they'll be covetous, uh, boasters, proud, blasphemers, insolent. Disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce bakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, haters of those that are good, and that are going to love pleasure more than love God. Timothy can see that in Paul's lifestyle, it stands in direct contrast to that of these false teachers. For his lifestyle was one of patience, one of love, one of steadfastness, according to verse 10. So you can see the difference in its conduct. Paul says, you know my purpose or aim in life. Timothy knows very well that Paul's whole life was dedicated to being a preacher and a teacher as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said in chapter 1, verse 11, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. And he goes on to say, which is why I suffer as I do. I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Paul says the reason I'm in prison is for the preaching and teaching of the gospel. And I'm not ashamed of that. He said, that's what I've been appointed to. That's what God has called me to do. You know my purpose. You know my aim. You know my conviction. You know my dedication. You know what I am about. And Paul was exemplary in his lifestyle. 
my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Again, like, unlike the false teachers who were rude, self-serving, and loved pleasure more than God, Paul loved his Lord. Paul served his Lord. And Paul was concerned about the welfare of others. Paul said in chapter 2, it was for the sake of the elect that he suffered these things, that they also might come to faith uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul was concerned about others, and that's what kept him going. His life stood in contrast. Paul says, you know, you know the one who has taught you these things. Verse 14. Number two. The persecution that Paul was teaching, was facing, was nothing new. If you look at verse 11, I'll start at verse 10 to give you the context. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. And now verse 11, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra. Paul now gives a representative list of some of the sufferings that have occurred, at least the places in which those sufferings have occurred. It doesn't go into detail as to the nature of the persecution, but rather stresses the location. You know the sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, in Iconium, and Lystra. If we go to the book of Corinthians, we can find a, a long list of the kinds of persecutions and sufferings that hardships that Paul had to put up with, the, the beatings, the stonings, the shipwrecks, all the things that are depicted in the book of Corinthians. Here he doesn't go into details, but rather he speaks of location. And again, they are representative. He only mentions three locations. But the significance of those locations, if you look them up, is that Timothy was present. Timothy was there. Timothy was an eyewitness. Timothy, you know my persecutions. Remember Antioch? Remember Lystra? Remember Iconium? Remember what happened in those cities? And the thought here is you shouldn't be surprised at what is happening to me now. This is nothing new. This isn't something you haven't seen before. This isn't something that you haven't experienced. Timothy should not be shocked or surprised that Paul was experiencing persecution. Perhaps it is a bit shocking to the degree that those that profess faith in Christ have abandoned Timothy. That's pretty shocking. When he writes earlier in the book that even those in Asia, which would include the church at Ephesus, have forsaken me. But this persecution is nothing new. Number three, the persecution that Paul was facing did not deter Paul in his ministry. The persecutions that Paul faced did not deter Paul in his ministry. Verse 11 says, which persecutions I endured. Which persecutions I endured. Simply stated, such persecutions I remained faithful under. Paul kept on ministering despite these persecutions. 
He remained faithful to the work that God had called him to. These persecutions did not deter him, did not discourage him, did not create with him a desire to give up. Paul didn't just say, what's the point? What's the use? Every place I go, I get persecuted. Uh, doesn't seem as though the gospels of having any effect. Uh, I'm going to retire. No, Paul continues on. Paul remains faithful to the Lord. So that, in verse 7 of chapter 4, Paul can say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Okay, so Paul says, I can do, Paul can say at the end of his life, I did everything God wanted me to do. I have finished my course. I fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I haven't abandoned what I believed, nor have I abandoned my commitment to it. I have remained faithful to the word, and I have remained faithful to the teaching and preaching of that word. And Timothy should do likewise. 2 Timothy 4 5, look there. As for you, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of your ministry. You see, Paul is writing Timothy, and he's saying, Timothy, I have kept the faith, I've endured. Now, Timothy, you must endure. Be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, keep on keeping on. That is the big concern of the Apostle Paul, that Timothy is going to be dissuaded by these false teachers and become discouraged in his own commitment to Paul or to the gospel. Number four, the persecution that Paul was facing was not due to God's abandonment of Paul. The persecution that Paul was facing was not due to God's abandonment of Paul. Verse 11. At the end of that verse, it says, Yet from all the Lord rescued me. My persecutions, sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. The persecution that Paul was facing did not sing, uh, signal God's abandonment of Paul. Okay? Just because he was suffering persecution, it did not mean that God left him on his own. It did not mean that he was going contrary to the will of God. It did not mean that he was somehow violating God's will for his life. It is not as though Paul is now experiencing from God what he experienced from the hand of others. Look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 16. This whole epistle hangs together in a very important way. We have spent weeks and weeks on this, and so uh, the epistle is one letter, uh, has just a few thoughts that are intertwined throughout all these chapters. And if you look at 2 Timothy 4.16, it says, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me. Everybody forsook me. Look at verse 17. But the Lord stood by me. 
Okay? Same terminology. No one came to stand by me. Verse 17, but the Lord stood by me. Everyone abandoned me. God did not. God did not. God stood with me. Timothy, don't lose sight of that. Don't focus on how everyone has abandoned me. Focus on how the Lord has stood by me. In the beginning, the focus is, in the beginning of the epistle, how everybody forsook him. So that he might understand the plight, he might understand the difficulty, he might understand the hardship, he might understand what Paul is going through, might understand why it's important for Timothy to come and minister to Paul. The beginning is, look how everyone has abandoned me. The end is, but don't lose sight that God has it. Now go back to 4.16 again. 4.16. In my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. So instead of standing by Paul, they deserted or abandoned him. Now verse 17. The contrast. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. So that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it, so I was rescued from the, mountains, from the lion's mouth. But the Lord stood by me. The Lord delivered me. The Lord helped me. And he will continue to help me. I just want to turn my Bible here to 2 Timothy. If you look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 16, where we are at, it says... At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. So he has confidence in the Lord's deliverance for the future. That doesn't mean that he will always be released from prison. That doesn't mean he will always be saved from the lion's mouth. Paul knows that he's about to die for his faith. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. But he does say God will preserve him into the heavenly kingdom. That uh, he is going to be ushered into God's presence. It will be the ultimate deliverance. It will be the ultimate vindication of everything that Paul has gone through. It will be the ultimate demonstration that what Paul has taught these many years is true. This hope of eternal life is not vain. That God will be, in fact, with him. Fifth, the persecution that Paul was facing was not unique to Paul. Verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. Rather than a sign of God's disapproval, just the opposite is true. 
It is a, persecution is a sign of godliness, not ungodliness. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, Paul refers to these false teachers and describes them in verse 5 as having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. When we looked at that verse, we said that having the appearance of godliness is that they were trying to pass themselves off as being godly. They would do things that would be associated with godliness, such as pray, such as preach, such as teach, uh, such as give lip service to the things of God. But at the same time, their lives denied its power. Their lives denied its reality. Their lives demonstrated that what they believed, they didn't really believe, and what they were saying was not true. And that was going to be revealed in verse 13, 2 Timothy 3.13, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse. So these people were going to get worse and worse and worse over time. Whereas Paul is going to remain faithful. Paul is going to stand true to the word of God. He is going to be willing to experience persecution. These others want nothing to do with persecution. They want nothing to do with hardship. They want nothing to do with suffering. For they are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Paul is lovers of God more than lovers of pleasure. And Paul says that anyone who really loves godliness is going to experience persecution. That is, they're going to willingly submit to persecution. They are going to understand that it's part of what godliness is all about. Godliness is remaining faithful to what we believe and what we teach. Godliness is having appropriated that what we say aren't mere words, but behind our faith is a real and true commitment to what we say. Therefore, a person who truly is committed to the word of God will be willing to suffer as a result of it. Timothy, don't be ashamed of the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say to you, don't be ashamed of the sufferings that are associated with the Lord Jesus Christ. In naming the name of Christ, you may not be put in prison, but you may be made fun of, you may be ridiculed, you may have somebody look at you like you have two heads. There are people that are going to uh, accuse you of being intolerant, of being mean, of nasty, of being narrow-minded, all kinds of things that people may say to you, but if we are committed to the truth of God's word, we won't back down from it. We won't change God's word in order to make people happy. We won't change God's word in order to make life easier for ourselves. But we are willing to stand up to what, what the word of God says and then to live a life that is in keeping in association with that word. Paul knew the grace of God to help in times of need. He did not deny the power. And then, sixthly, the persecution that Paul was facing 
was unique to the children of God. False teachers will not endure such things. 2 Timothy 3.13 While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Uh, hardship. Hardship of all kinds is a real revealer of the nature of our faith. Some people in times of hardship get angry with God. They accuse God. They blame God of being unjust, unholy, unrighteous, unfair. God, why would you allow this to happen to me? Other people experience the same hardship, same suffering, same misery, and bow to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, who say with Job, shall we not receive good from the hand of the Lord and not evil? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That we can have confidence in God no matter what the outcome is of the test that we have, or the medical situation we are in, whatever the experience is in life. Paul's life gave credibility to the gospel. This comes in the midst of a rather interesting passage. And I really didn't know how much of this passage to address today. But let me move on and talk a little bit more at 2 Timothy chapter 3, looking at verse 13. While evil people, impostors will go from bad to worse, Deceiving beneath seed, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Now, this, knowing from whom you have learned it. And from a childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred scriptures, which are able to make you wise into salvation through Christ Jesus. Next week, we're going to look at the sacred scriptures. So, this morning, I want to point out that it's not just Paul and his persecutions but says to Paul that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures. And if you look back at 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul talks about a faith. 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting with verse 3. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors. There's a reason he says that. Circle ancestors in your mind. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now you. It's not just the example of Paul that Paul addresses to Timothy but it's also his grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice. I doubt very much that they experienced the persecutions that Paul did. But Paul says, you know their lives. You know the reality of their faith. You know the substance. You have been able to watch them. You've been able to see the reality 
of what they believe. Last week we had communion two weeks ago. I said that it's really, really important that we know the people that are teaching us the word of God. That we, we know their lifestyle, we know their conduct. That what they, they live is in keeping with what they, they preach and teach. There should be a reality to the substance of it. We looked at the false teachers, there was no reality. No true correspondence. And I talked about how it's unfortunate today that, that so many people don't know those that are being, that they're being taught by, that they're sitting under their instruction. We should know people. Uh, Thessalonians says, know those that have rule or authority over you. And one of the things that we shouldn't lose sight of as we are embarked with all this false teaching, we shouldn't lose sight of our ancestral faith. Paul says, as I serve my ancestors, okay, if you have godly parents, if you have godly grandparents, you have such a heritage. And you can look at your grandparents, you look at your parents, how they lived and how they died. How committed they were to the scriptures. How they believed them to be true. It wasn't something that they simply voiced. But these scriptures impacted their lives. It governed their decisions. It governed their behaviors. It governed their attitudes. It, gover it governed their life choices. Paul says to Timothy, don't lose sight of those who have taught you the word. Learn from their lives how to live. We have a great responsibility as we teach the word of God, whether that be formally, informally, not just teachers in Sunday school, but as parents, as we witness to our children. We have such a great responsibility, not simply to open the scriptures, but having opened and explained the scriptures, to model them, to demonstrate how these scriptures are meaningful in our own personal lives. How we find hope in these scriptures. How we find confidence in these scriptures. And it provides a great basis for faith in these scriptures. It is an attestation that the Bible is true. Because we see it lived out in the lives of the people who have taught us. May that be the case. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, you've seen it in me. Paul calls on Timothy, now you endure suffering. You endured hardship. Do the full work of the ministry. And Paul says to Timothy, and commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Pass it on to others who will be able to teach and who will be faithful. It is so important that we stand true to the word of God, not just in our formal doctrinal statements, 
but our everyday commitment to that truth, that we don't wander from it. I don't think Paul was afraid that Timothy would change his doctrinal position. I think Paul was afraid that Timothy might lose his commitment, might lose his zeal, might lose his energy, might lose his desire, might become sidelined. Timothy, learn, learn. You've seen the persecutions. You know. You know. May God see in us, may people see in us, our commitment to the scriptures. And may we understand how vital that is, our own personal commitment to the scriptures in the rearing of our own children. What a benefit that's going to be to them if they see that this isn't just what mom and dad teach. This is what mom and dad live. Let's pray. Our Father, help us to be faithful to your word, not just in the creedal aspect, but Lord, in the very living of our lives. Just as the false prophets not only did not speak the truth, they did not live the truth, Lord, in a corresponding contrast, Lord, let us speak the truth and live the truth. Help us to realize that there's a measure on which we are called upon to suffer in order to stay true to the word of God. And may as people see within us the willing to suffer, whatever that may look like in our own life, uh, may it bear witness to the reality of our faith. May people be taken back. May people see, wow, that person really believes what they say by the way in which they conduct themselves. Lord, may that be true of us. And may it be a, a marvelous impact on those that follow us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.